Hello, and welcome to yet another offering of the Pop Bonsai Podcast, where we we slather a, a, a huge daub of pop culture. We ducktail it. We spit curl it to a pompadour perfection just for you. I permit. And what's that? I permit. You, permit. Oh, yeah? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Either way, man, it works. And as you just heard, I am Jay, and with me is my my lieutenant, my second at Thunder Road, Mr. Travis Ratz. You did watch today's movie, Jay. I did indeed. <laughs> that's, some deep, that's some deep grease cuts there. That's yeah. a great scene. God, I want to talk about this movie, Jay. <laughs> Let's do it, man. Well, you know what? Well, we, 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 should, we should talk about Pop Bonsai. What we do is we take three different... Uh, um, mediums of pop culture um and we we put them together and we try to find a through line so look back at our past episodes which we found some interesting through lines with some weird combinations of shit but this time we said you know what let's just let's have the big idea instead of being like families or werewolves or whatever it is let's just have it be the movie grease baby grease so this episode, we're talking about the 1978 film Grease based on the Broadway play in the 70s. And then we're going to double down on our Grease by talking about the 1996 album from Less Than Jake called Greased. And then we're going to, you know, just kind of, you know, settle down after our greasy meal with a nice uh, cup of dessert wine. Uh, that is a <laughs> short documentary on the movie Grease. Which I think was made in like somewhere in the early 2000s, by the way, people's age looks. I'm oh, yeah. I, guess. yeah <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like uh, look up the date on it, but I'm like, um, judging by John Travolta's facelift, I'm gonna say it's pre, <laughs> it's pre Travolta massage scandal, but post uh, face off, uh, I'm gonna say like 2000. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the skin that was once on his chin is now where his eyebrows are. God, but, what a handsome man this movie, though. Good Lord, John Travolta's handsome in this movie. That establishing shot, that hero shot he gets at the beginning of that film. Woo! He was a good-looking man. He was a good-looking man. But, yeah, I think it's so hilarious how... You, so, Travis and I, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what what we, we want to do and we even have a schedule, but sometimes we, we veer off the schedule when we just, when we're feeling like something's kind of maybe in a rut or we're just kind of doing the same of too much of the same thing. And, and Travis just blurted out, Hey, what do you think of next episode? We just do grease. Yeah. And I'm like, hell yeah. yeah hell yeah. <laughs> well, we just come off Halloween, which is some pretty heavy shit. <laughs> And then we did like Strangers and uh, Stranger Than Paradise, and then we did like this dark comedy, uh, Home for the Holidays. And I'm like, we need a palate cleanser. We need a good yeah. old fashioned pop palate cleanser on the Pop Bonsai podcast. We've been getting too much bonsai. We need some more pop in there. That's and right. this movie, I can is is more pop than I can than I can I can stand it. I could go for more. I'm about. I'm gonna tell you this right now, Jay. After this podcast, I'm watching Grease too, baby. <laughs> yeah you know it's funny like I, my wife and i were watching it and then it ended it, it was like 10 o'clock at night when we finished and i'm like 
oh, I kind of want to watch Grease 2. Yeah. You know, and, and like, eh, I can't, though. It's too late. Yeah, Grease 1's like a two-hour runtime on this bad boy. Mm-hmm. Well, when you put a 30-minute dance scene in the middle of this fucking movie... <laughs> It, it really tends to like yeah. fit it out. So let's talk. Let's let's let's. We always we always kind of dig. I'm gonna bring it back. I'm gonna bring the energy down a little bit. It's very tough at this point. Break it down. Break it down. Do your job, rats. Podcast. <laughs> First, we establish our history with Greece. <clears throat> Jay, my uh, podcast um, lieutenant. Um, what sure. is your what was your first? I feel like I'm on a, a different podcast. What was your first exposure to the movie Grease? Well, I I I can't remember. It's always just kind of been around, but I have a feeling again. It was just something that I I took off of my mom's VHS shelf and popped it on, and um, I I was like, "What is this?" Because I'm not a huge musical guy. Mm-hmm. There's there's maybe half a dozen musicals that I like, um, but Grease is is right up there, um, maybe even top slot. Mm. So um, I'm a you know I'm a, a big fan of, of I, I mean granted yeah it's not like authentic fifties culture you know I get that but it's 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 fun and it's it, it still brings you know for someone that wasn't there it still kind of has the atmosphere of it it's got the the uh the strut and and you know that like the greaser strut that i always imagined it it would be you know and again you know mid 70s early 80s stuff like you know american graffiti um happy days uh you know you can even say the outsiders um Gosh, movie uh, music was like Stray Cats. It's like yeah. all that stuff was around, you know, when I was a kid, and it, I just kind of absorbed it all, and, and I loved it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I for, for, how about you? Grease for me was kind of like that. It was from my mom because my mom grew up, and she would have gone. She would have been in high school, you know, like in the fifties when when these kids are in, in these kids. And these adults playing kids are in high school. 20-somethings. Uh, doesn't bother me. We're going to get to that. does not bother me. Um, and uh, so I think one for her birthday year, one year, like the 30th, uh, it was probably around like, yeah, it's 1998 because it was the 30th anniversary edition um, came out and someone got it for like, on I think it was like the ending days of VHS. So I think it was still on VHS. And I'd heard kids at school kind of like the 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 cool kids, but like the not even like drama kids, but the kind of kitschy kids kids, you know, like the, <laughs> the kids who are like into kind of weird stuff. Uh, had been talked about Greece, or maybe I'd seen like gr- them wearing Greece T-shirts, or or talking about Greece, or whatever it is, or maybe someone had done Greece songs for karaoke. So it had kind of been on my register as. Oh, you know what? This is kind of having a revival for like my mm. generation, and and um, she got it, and my mom was excited. Oh, we should watch Grease, and I watched it, and I just was like, I had heard the songs before, like some of those songs were very familiar, um, uh-huh. and I was just like, I love this, I love this, 
And then it, be, it proceeded to be one of my favorite movies in high school, where I would just rewatch it throughout the year constantly. When I needed like some motive, like if there was a big social event at school, like a dance or or uh, the first day of school or whatever it was, I would kind of like watch this the weekend or the night before to kind of psych myself up into being this kind of cool, outgoing. I don't know. It was kind of a, it was like a motivator. It was like, oh, tomorrow we're having we're going on that field trip, and I'm like, I don't really want to go on this field trip, but like, let's put some grease in it, and then like, oh man, this is cool. Like maybe I can bring some of these <laughs> shenanigans into the real life, you know? <laughs> so like, I, 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 it's impossible to watch this movie and not want to be a fucking character in this movie. You want to yeah. be a T bird. You want to be a pink lady. Uh, everything is just so cool. You want to be at Rydell high school for sure. It's a cool high school. Uh, and it's, everything is so colorful and, and it, it's, it, it just really stuck with me, but I hadn't watched it. And maybe I'm guessing since college. So I was just watching it all the time in high school, had lines memorized. Oh. Um, I think I even had a grease t-shirt, um, but in college, I was like, mm, I should slow this grease down a little bit. <laughs> you know? uh, so I hadn't watched it maybe in like 16 years. And I had so much fun rewatching this movie. I just, the lines came back to me, but I also saw a bunch of stuff that I did not catch the first time. And really? when, we, when we talk about threading big ideas together across stuff, I, I, there's some interesting things that kind of popped up to me about like why people like grease. Hmm. So, interesting. Right. Interesting. Yeah, um, I have seen it periodically throughout the years. Um, <clears throat> I think the I, I want to say it was like in the the late nineties they they re released it in the theaters for the anniversary, and um, I saw it on the big screen for the first time. And when I saw that, there were definitely a lot of things I did not catch before, yeah, yeah, like right. way more innuendos than yeah, I yeah. remember. That's right, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. And then um, Alamo, like I was telling you before Alamo draft house, which is like a, a small theater chain and they, they do fun things. Oh yeah. I like Alamo, and, Alamo a lot. Yeah. And, and they have uh, sing-alongs and they had grease and they had all sorts of props that they give you and people go dressed up and it's, it's a cool thing. So yeah, my wife and I went to that a couple years ago. Um, but I think that's the last time I saw it until a couple nights ago. Yeah. I would, I would, I would go to that in a heartbeat. I, they could overcharge me. I'd still do it. Well, hey, kinda, you know what? Travis... I, I would rather do that a midnight show of that than Rocky horror picture show. Honestly, I think. I would Oh more dude, me Greece. too. Yeah, me too. So let that be number uh, 11,997 reasons why you ah, should. Yes, yes. Beep. Well, you guys aren't, you guys aren't uh, opening theater, so I, I might have a better chance of seeing Grease in a theater here than I do in the States. I feel like... Alamo's the, open, I think. I oh, think Alamo's it? open. Well, yeah. I know they closed down one of the Alamos there. I think the one in Tempe, right? They, they, they actually had to shutter it. Really? Oh, I don't know. Maybe, oh, maybe not. This is this is boring people who are not in Arizona. So so if you're on a living on a different planet for the last, you know, fifty years, uh the movie Grease is a movie that was filmed in the nineteen seventies, but about the characters live in the 1950s, and the movie takes place at Rydell High School, and it is the senior year 
uh, for our characters in this in this uh, film. Danny Zuko, played by John Travolta, is our main protagonist, and Sandy, played by Olivia Newton-John, is um, uh, the female protagonist, and they have their um, cast of sidekick characters, uh, like Jeff Conway playing Kaniki and Soccer Channing playing Rizzo, are kind of like the 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 Dewey antagonist, um, uh, the second in command. They have their own storylines. And we kind of follow them through the whole year in bits and snippets. It really doesn't have to be yeah. a year, but they start the first day of school and they end at right before graduation. And then you get to see a lot of uh, dancing, uh, a lot of song numbers, uh, a lot of horniness, and a uh, uh, a bit of uh, a bit of racing. So a little bit. So let's talk about like the I guess the elephant in the room for anyone who is watching Greece. Um, and it struck struck me differently watching it now than when I was a high schooler. We got to address the fact that a lot of these I think uh, John Travolta was twenty three when he played Danny Zuko in this, and Olivia Newton John was just about to be thirty. Uh, Stalker Channing, I think, was in her her thirties. Uh, yeah, early yeah. 30s. Um, so, what about these? You know, mid twenty to thirty year olds playing teenagers works and doesn't work for you, or how 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 do you kind of how do you as a viewer agrees come to terms with this? Well, to be honest, um, when I was younger um you know when you're in junior high it's hard to like tell a a 25 year old from an 18 year old you know they're all kind of look the same and so i come from a a love a great love of john hughes movies Mm -hmm. and john hughes is kind of the same thing um he he all those actors were older than high school age and if they weren't older they definitely acted way more mature than any high school person would act any kid in high school would act um so i was already kind of in that mindset where i'm like "Eh, it doesn't bother me you know that's not that's high school to be fair the breakfast club they come across as much more like authentic high school age in their performances you know because it's not that broadway version of it when you watch grease a couple of the characters uh like Kaniki and like I mean John Travolta is one of the youngest ones and he looks the oldest you know <laughs> he looks older uh they are like they're straight up like crow's feet and stuff like that as opposed to <laughs> you know um uh, Emilio Estevez who just looks like he might be in college and is playing a high schooler uh yeah but you're right you don't know when you're a kid I mean that's why people watch 90210 and they're like oh these guys are yeah. in high school you know it's because when you're a kid you're just it's you're just older you know yeah. Um, and yeah. it doesn't matter. And it's not until you, you know, get past the, that you've lived an age. Can you then almost define it? Like, oh, yeah, that's they're a teenager and they're a 20 year old. Yeah, it's it's kind of like what you said. I'm, I may m- misinterpret this a little bit, but uh, on your last episode of your other podcast on, on comic exposure, you were talking about when you're a kid and you, and you read comics, you don't you don't, don't want something that's on your level. You almost like want to see something that's a little bit above it, right? And, and you you look up to it, and that's what like enchants you with it. 
Yeah. And it, that's kind of like what all that was to it, me. It adds a, a bit of forbiddenness to it. Like, oh, uh, there's a sense of self-gratification and like, oh, I'm I'm kind of punching above my weight in this. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, I'm, you know, 11, but I love the movie Grease. And so do all the adults and all the kind of people in here are older. This is kind of a sophisticated movie. And you watch Grease now and it's it's not juvenile. I mean, it's 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 a really really strong piece for what it is really strong film for what it is i mean we don't make films like this anymore um that are just well done fun that works on so many left different levels from the crass to the family friendly and that's another thing about watching this movie when you're younger is because half the movie is sexual innuendos and I'm by my <laughs> half I'm being generous it's probably like 75% of the dialogue <laughs> is sexual innuendos but I didn't get that as a kid even going through puberty where I knew like things like you know bite the weenie uh, riz with relish I got that um, yeah. and I always remember that gangbang line being a little bit like like what is this a gangbang as a kid I'm like <laughs> oh shit I know what a gangbang is um <laughs> But now when I watch that as an adult, I am every other line is just a uh, sexual innuendo. And the visuals in it. These guys yeah. in this film do more air humping than I've ever seen in my life. Just all the <laughs> every dancing movement is just like fucking the air. I'm just like thrusting. I'm just thrusting. Um, I I literally feel that in the grease lightning scene, this was the director's that um, was, line. It was like, that's what it uh, "All right, boys, I'm gonna need uh, more humping, more humping." John, John, we didn't hire you to be a pussy. We uh, 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 we hired you to be a dick. Now get thrusting. Fuck that car. No. Fuck that tire. John, fuck that saran wrap. At one point, he takes saran wrap out. And starts- <laughs> more, more. <laughs> yeah. No, I. Dude, I totally, I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, most of the songs have, you know, even the ones you don't, you know, have like that that innuendo, that lyric where you're like, what did he just say? You know, Um, but yeah, for some reason, again, when I was in a big theater and I don't know if it was just the sound was so much clearer or what, but I noticed so much more. It was crazy. Yeah, that 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 was uh, the. I don't really have it. I actually kind of prefer. I actually really like the choice of playing these. What are essentially adults playing these high schoolers? You know, because in watching this movie, I think it's very easy to criticize Greece now, and and screw you if you're out there criticizing this movie because it's not PC. Um, but. It you know like people criticize like Sandy because at the end of the movie basically like Sandy like changes into this bad girl and people are like why are you giving up yourself for I go no this is a movie about sexual awakening this is a movie about teenagers on the cusp of adulthood who are trying so hard to act like adults but are still children who are going through these hormones so it's like you know when Danny says play it cool hey man be cool. You know, that's what he's saying. It's like, just be an adult. Like, like you got to put those hormones aside for a second. And they can't. They're in these adult bodies, which we all are at that age, with these te- these teenage hormones. Uh, and then we're also trying to fit into our gender roles. Like, what does it mean to be a guy? What does it mean to be a girl? What does it mean to be a T-bird? What does it mean to be a pink lady? And, you know, by the end of the, of the movie, a lot of those things, 
discussions have happened in in really interesting ways and not ways that are like, well, here's what you should learn about being transitioning into adulthood. It's just more like a lens of like, yeah, this is how, this is what it's like. It's, it, it's, mm. it's wild. It's fun, but it can also be very painful and confusing. And uh, so I think having adults play that and be more childlike makes this movie more fun than if you got teenagers trying to be more like adults in it. Does that make sense? It, it, I think it would have a yeah. darker tone if you had a bunch of six, like 16, 17, 18-year-olds struggling with uh, becoming adults and sexuality and gender. I think it would be much like a much darker film. Well, honestly, I don't think it could be done well. Um, I think, you know... Um, you have to draw from some pool of experience or, you know, in order to, to, to exhibit these, these emotions. And, and I mean, if you're a kid, you know, you're not really, and maybe you're even going through that similar thing right now. How can you be expected to, to do that? You know, it's almost easier as an adult, like you said, to, you know, tap into your childhood or your adolescence. And like you said, they were only like some of them were only in their mid 20s. Yeah. You know, uh, and so it wasn't that long ago for them to to do that. Um, And so I think. And from the documentary we watched, it looks like it was kind of like a summer camp anyway. So they all kind of reverted back into. Right. Adolescence. So. So that almost adds a level of authenticity to it that couldn't be done, like you said, the opposite with having. Well, they tried it, and not like tried to make grease, but you look at a movie like Kids. Remember Kids? I forget who directed it. I always want to say Spike Lee, but it's not Kids. Isn't a Spike? No, it's uh, uh, Darren Kowski. I can't remember his Uh, name, but that is it's the same issues. It's kids growing up in their late teens and coming to terms with you know, like pretending to be adults, but can't helping having that juvenileness in them. And then also struggle, struggling with, you know, hormones and how to behave in society when, with these urges, but it's super dark. You can't just throw yeah. music into the movie kids and it becomes grease. Um, yeah. Harmony uh, Corinne. That was his name. Oh, Harmony Corinne. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I, I thought that was a good choice. And I think that that's, that's one of the things that struck out to me is, is, this doesn't just work as a fun musical the way like, you know, um, like Wicked would be like, mm-hmm. a, I didn't like Wicked, but people love that musical. I'm like, it's a fun musical or like Legally Blonde <clears throat> or The Waitress. There's some re- you can really dive deep into the the themes in Greece and not just the themes aren't just there. They're done very craftfully where you don't have to see them. You can enjoy You can watch Grease in many different moods. You can be in an analytical mood and watch it. You can be in a nostalgic mood and watch it. You can be in just like a fun mood and watch it. You can just be in a musical mood and watch it. It, it, it really does uh, lend itself to being viewed in, in, in multiple capacities where it, 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 it's conducive to multiple viewings. Cause it's not like, if I want to watch the matrix, I kind of got to be in like a matrix mood and that might happen. Yeah. Like I might be in that mood 
three i'm not watching matrix three times a year i haven't watched it in years but i might get, <laughs> i might get to that place like three times a year where i'm like i kind of want to watch something like the matrix that's a little bit out there sci-fi but it has some you know greece is like it's sunday i could watch greece yeah and, and you know what's funny though it's like i have i do watch the first matrix every now and again but it, it gets it got dated um especially with like the cell phones and all that stuff. But there's something, even though this was made in the eighties that takes place in the fifties. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, like Sandy's hair and some of the hairdos are kind of eighties, even though they're, they're like fifties stuff by way of the eighties. Right. Um, it still seems timeless mm-hmm. to me. The songs, they're so catchy and they're, and they're fun. Yeah and melodic and you remember there's you remember them and they the the way they incorporate them into the the story and everything it's just it's it's great and another thing i i really liked about greece which i i haven't really thought about until i watched it the other day is the cast and how i i really like that they're all not ultra attractive people mm-hmm. you know they're it's not like a cw cast where you can't even tell them all apart they all look so different and it's such a like a colorful bunch of people and and th- i think that also helps to make them so memorable you I, know I, 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 let, let's talk about let's talk about the characters then because you, you're right I, I think the variety of the cast is great it's hard to at first you like the first you know our leads are two of the most probably beautiful people at that time but then yeah, you well, look at the, the pink leads. ladies and the t-birds and you know there's like one girl who's like <laughs> i love the line he's like i don't mind that you're fat she's like thank you you know <laughs> uh or frenchie who's not ugly but it certainly has a very unique look about her uh i think uh Dina Manoff is on this viewing was my standout. Like I never gave this character credit. Uh, she plays Marty, uh, uh-huh. in it. uh, and her expressions throughout the movie are <laughs> fantastic. Especially I, during the dance. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And also beauty school dropout. Like, uh, cause you know, I forgot that the pink ladies are actually in it. You just can't tell because they're as obvious, but Rizzo and Marty are in it. And, uh-huh. and her expression is just like, she has this kind of clueless look on her face and it's, it's just great. So our two leads, what do you think about the portrayal of Danny and Sandy's relationship? Do you, I mean, you know, obviously it's, it's stylized and, and, and things like that, but are there moments where you're like, I really like this the these these two relationship what what do you feel about their their chemistry or the relationship of Danny and, and Sandy in here <clears throat> well i <clears throat> i think it's a lot more realistic than than it seems on the surface um and, you know it was funny i was telling my wife yesterday when we were watching i'm like you know i think everybody sees a part of themselves. Every, every high school dude has a part of themselves in, in Danny Zuko, you know, whether it be, you know, the guy, you know, trying to be cool in front of his friends, whether it be the guy that's always apologizing to his girlfriend, whether it be, 
you know, the guy, you know, trying to impress a somebody, you know, that it's like as much as, as, as superficial as, as Danny Zuko seems. Um, I saw some parts of myself back then mm-hmm. uh, in him, you know, and, and that's what I think makes him so relatable. And so I, I think I like their chemistry and I like their relationship. And I think it makes sense to me. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. I, I, I like how they kind of, you know, find some middle ground. And he learns that, you know, sometimes that being a man is, you know, masculinity is oftentimes about prioritizing what's important in your life and making room for more than just one thing, which was just with was his friends. And, and Sandy fits very nicely into that. There is a very Romeo and Juliet thing. Um, they have, when they look at each other, like when Danny looks at Sandy, like you could tell, like he's, He's lovelorn, like he is yeah, head yeah. over heels for this girl. I mean, there's that scene where you know she, she's on the date with Lorenzo Lamas, and they're in the the Shake Shack, and uh, and uh, he's like, she comes, you know, she goes over to the jukebox, and uh, Travolta or Danny excuses himself, he's like, right, excuse me, guys, I'll, I'll be right back. And then he goes around the booth and he's just kind of sitting at the counter and he's kind of looking at her. And the way he looks at her, you're like, oh, man, this dude's hurting. Like, he feels bad for what he did. And he kind of comes up, you know, uh, or, you know, when they're when he's doing hurdles and he falls and Sandy comes over to him and, you know, uh, she's like, um, oh, I'm not I'm not. I, I don't know why I'm talking to you. I shouldn't after, you know, and he's like, I told Sandy, I told you I was sorry about that. She's like, ha, I got you. <laughs> and he kind of is like, yeah. And he has, he breaks. And when, when Danny is kind of most himself, when he's just like an 18 year old kid is when he's around Sandy, when he's not a T bird, when he's not trying to impress his friends, when he's not acting like, you know, um, when you see da- the opening shot is Danny and Sandy being very much, you just kind of like, your average view of 1950s kids in film it's you know yeah. frolicking on the beach and then it becomes they they put their costumes on you know and then they become these characters so i really like how their relationship really kind of grounds those two people what about what yeah. about um rizzo um and uh Kaniki? what did you think about them and their relationship that that's so i want to talk about uh, rizzo oh. for just a second yeah so one of the, the there's two like really a kind of moments of like it just got real kind of thing um and one of them was when when Rizzo brings or well, the pink ladies bring Sandy and Danny together at that pep rally I know exactly what you're talking about yeah go ahead and and after Dan, you know, they have their little moment, and Danny acts like a jerk, and 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 uh, you know, Sandy storms off, rocking and rolling, rolling like and whatnot. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I was uh, switched at birth. Uh, maybe there's two of me. Uh, Danny Zuko, gonna... I'm never talking to you ever again. <laughs> yeah, and that look, mm-hmm. like the camera just pans over to Rizzo, and that look she gives him, and so. What's your interpretation of that look? It's very Heather's. It's a very I love. I know exactly what you're talking about. I love that look. It's it, the joy of uh, uh, on her face, uh, and she kind of puts that tongue against her lips, like she's she's tasting the moment. 
Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, mm, that was as good as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, and that's what it is. You know, you really get her is when she talks about um, there are worse things I could do. Oh, go man, with the boy. That song is like she it's so that song. It's so heavy, but it kind of gets you into Rizzo's character is. If you're a psychologist, there's obviously been some sexual abuse in that family. Like, it feels mm-hmm. like she feels like the only way she can get guys to like her is to, you know, put out or be sexual around them. And she's convinced herself that it would be to not do that would actually be worse because then you're just being a tease. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's obviously some trauma there. And I think when you when you suffer that kind of trauma, you 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 do take a little bit of delight in seeing trauma inflicted on others because it makes you feel less alone. Um, when you think you have Good it, the, when you think you have the worst in your crew or in your high school, uh, and then you see so like you see that moment when someone else's heart breaks so they feel shattered. You're like, okay, it's not ju- it's not it's it's delights. not just me. I'm not I'm not the only one who's broken. And if I'm not the only one who's broken, maybe I'm not broken at all. Um, you know, you're looking for ways to justify adolescence and your shitty feelings during it, uh, and seeing it alive in other people is a great way to do that. You know, that's good. Yeah. What's but your other anyway, mo- What's your other moment of for Rizzo? Uh, well, it wasn't well. So let me talk about it. It was, it was with Kaniki and Rizzo, oh. but um, I just want to say yes, I did like Kaniki and Rizzo also. Um, I thought they made a, a really cool couple. I think. You know, um, the fact that she was willing to, it didn't seem like it, because it looks like she kind of, like you were saying, she had, you know, she has a lot of boyfriends. Danny was obviously one of them. But, you know, the fact that she kind of saw something in Kaniki and and vice versa was kind of nice. Because, I mean, like, in that scene, because you you know just looking at someone like Kaniki, you'd be like, oh, I bet that dude gets girls all the time. But when he was in, in, that, in his car and he took out his condom and it broke because he's had it in his back so pocket how, for how can, three how, years. How can it break? And the best acting is like, I've had it since the seventh grade. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the whole Kaniki goes out of his voice, and that's like, I, I you get a feeling that is actually Jeff Conway's natural register, and. Uh, all interviews since he's just forced to do Kaniki, like his voice, he's just like, This is what people like. But you get a feeling when he's like, I've had it since the seventh grade. That's mm-hmm. that's and I love when his voice breaks like that. And she's like, Okay, you know, it's almost <sighs> like this guy, you know, he's he's been nice to me, he's spending time with me, and this is kind of what he's expect. I'm not gonna disappoint this this kid, you know. Yeah. Um and he's yeah, like, oh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Betty. <laughs> Betty. Um, but so yeah, the, the second um the second part, the second time when I, I thought it could, things got kind of heavy was was between Rizzo and Kaniki, and it was in the, the drive-in where he learned that she was pregnant. 
and they were talking about it. And and he goes, she goes, hey, man, don't worry. It was somebody else's mistake. And he kind of looks at her and, and he kind of goes, thanks a lot, kid. Yeah. You know, like, but it was, there was a sadness to his tone. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like, like she, she was trying to like give him an out, but it's almost like he was, uh, I don't know. How should I say it? Like he was uh, disappointed in that. Well, like he almost want, he didn't want that out. Well, you know, it, we, it seemed. we talked about the idea of all these, all these, the T-birds are all trying to find kind of ways. What, what is a man? What does it mean to be a man in this movie? You know, and um, you know, Kaniki, you could say kind of bows out of that. You you could argue that that car accident was what his getting hit on the head of the car was him, you know, being afraid and and uh, so he kind of he kind of milked it. Yeah, is that milked what you're it. saying? But, but <laughs> so his moment to prove that he's a man is to step up and take responsibility for that child because like 1950s, what you do that's part of being a man is like that's my problem. I'm going to take care of that. I think he even has a line like that. And so when she denies him that opportunity to establish his masculinity, it's not just, I don't think he's like excited at about, you know, having a, a kid or right. even like that deeply in love with Rizzo. They don't have the kind of love that Danny and Sandy have. Um, it's just the, like, thanks a lot, kid. Like this was my this was an opportunity for me to make a mark on my world as a man and prove to the people around me that I'm a man because I'm stepping up and taking this responsibility. And she does, she removes that opportunity from him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough moment there. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. It, it, there's a few different ways you can interpret it, but oh, I think yeah. you and I kind of are on the same level there if i i always like to play it's you could, this movie to play fun like what if games or what's your favorite games i i thought about like if i was this in this high school or if i was a t-bird like what first of all would you be a t-bird or or would you be like a jock would you be uh eugene <laughs> eugene hi guys <clears throat> nice song kid what's your name my name's eugene uh <laughs> but if i had if i had to, uh, there's obviously if i if i could if i had my druthers i think i'd I either want to date like marty or uh uh of course living newton john is just but who would i end up dating frenchy probably, yeah, probably yeah. End up dating Frenchie. <laughs> like i like it i feel like uh she's artsy um she's not the most popular girl but she has you know she can you know i i feel like that's who i would be dating like that, that, that i would be paired up with that person in the movie Hey man, you can do worse. You can do worse than Frenchie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh Didi Khan is is still an attractive lady. Yeah, and that that making of I, I noticed yeah. that. Yeah. That voice, you got to get over that voice. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. I can get used to it. You look like a giant pineapple. <laughs> that would be that guy. I think that is the T-bird I would be is uh is that Putsy? Um the one with the black hair who doesn't look like 30. Let's see. Uh yeah, putsy. I would be uh, uh, putsy. <laughs> you look like a giant pineapple. <laughs> so proud of it. <laughs> or when they're like, the next Eleanor Roosevelt. Or the next Richard Nixon. He's like, oh. he's looking yeah, <laughs> longingly yeah. at the camera. It could be him. <laughs> would you be a T-bird? Do you think, you think you would be a T-bird? Do you think you could it, be a T-bird? It, I'd like to think so, but in reality, 
I'd be Eugene. I'd be like <laughs> friends with Eugene. That's what it would end up being. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, I of course never be like you know Kaniki or Zuko. Did you, smoke in, cool. did you smoke in high school? Oh yeah. All right, you could, that, that that I mean, I think that's like seventy five percent of the application, dude. Is like, yeah. in fact, I got suspended for it. <laughs> oh, even dude, you're in. You're a T bird, baby. That's like that's like first two questions on a T bird. One, uh, three questions. One, do you own a leather jacket? Mm-hmm. Two, have you? Uh, do you smoke? And three, have you ever gotten in trouble for smoking? If you answer <laughs> yes to all three of those, you're probably going to be a T bird. Yes, yes, yes. That's, that's, have you ever heard that Jeff Foxy? Jeff Foxworthy bit. If no. you wear a leather jacket in the middle of summer, then you might be a T-bird. No, <laughs> okay, that yes, I have heard that bit. All right, your turn. Your turn. You got to give me. A, you might be a T-bird off the top of your head. Go ahead. You might be a okay. T-bird joke. Did you ever race cars? Yeah. Did you ever race cars? Yeah. Uh, did your shop teacher soup up your car for a drag race? Then you might be a T-bird. <laughs> yeah. yeah did you ever get chased you, out of your friend's car? Have you ever been worried that the friends in the backseat of your car were going to gangbang your girlfriend? You might be a T-bird. <laughs> did, you ever get, did you ever get left with a check at the diner? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been so poor you had to split an Eskimo pie with your date? <laughs> then you might be a T-bird. An Eskimo pie with a knife. <laughs> Dude, I think we came up with a, a running bit. We might have to do, do this. Might just have to be the Grease podcast from from now on. <laughs> Oh, dude, I can do that. Let's let's slow our roll. We got We should do the Grease Minute. We should do a separate podcast, the Grease Minute. Has anyone, you know, how they do the Star Wars Minute? And everything. We should do the Grease Minute. I there are a few movies that I could do a minute podcast on, where it's like you you spend twenty minutes talking about one minute and the second minute. Yeah, uh, and Grease would be one of them. There's a Goodfellas one like that. Yeah, and a Star Wars one, probably an Indiana Jones one, like the big tentpole ones. I don't know if anyone's done Grease. I would listen to a Grease one, honestly. Huh. Well, dude, that's... We might. We got a website. We can put as many feats on this bad boy as we want. I think we might have to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> and that could be our bit. You might be a T-Bird bit. What you got to do is like Travolta. Oh, I can't do a Travolta. Oh, you might be a T-Bird. If you, I can't, you can't do it. I can't do a, a Travolta impression. I can only do Sandy, Sandy. But he sounds or, like or, walking. My, my, my Travolta sounds like walking, Christopher. It's, it's a fine line. Yeah, it's a fine line between Travolta Or the and laugh. Do the laugh. Sandy, don't make me laugh. <laughs> that would definitely that laugh so would be in the theme song of our of our uh, podcast. <laughs> it would start off with uh, 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 uh. oh so, man. All right, so we have that. Uh, let's talk about because we're going to talk about uh, the songs when we talk about. We can use that. It's kind of you know as we look at the lesson Jake versions, we can talk about the original versions. Let's talk about. Um, uh, Let's talk about favorite scene, and then I want to move into favorite set piece because the the sets oh. in this are are, are amazing, uh, and it might it might overlap. Your favorite scene might be your favorite set piece as well. But uh, just talking about what's going on in the scene, the 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 acting, whatever it is, exclude musical numbers, excluding okay. excluding musical numbers. Okay, I could easily tell you my favorite one of my favorite scenes yeah. off the top of my head. 
the scene we're just talking about when uh, Sandy and Danny uh, had gotten back together and they go into, into the, the diner and they, they're trying to be alone. Like Danny and, and, and Sandy put up these menus so that they're kind of trying to hide and Kaniki comes and rips them yeah. apart and it, uh, and, you know, he, uh, yeah, he burps. And then everybody just, just converges on them. And before you know it, they're, all there. Danny, you nearly ripped my arm out of your side socket. <laughs> it's a good table. It's the best table they got. Yeah. I'm not very uh, hungry. I'll just have this, 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 and this. <laughs> and they all, yeah, they all show up and they, and they have this huge, you know, they're all talking, having fun. They have this huge fight and they all leave and they stick, you know, Rizzo and Kaniki, you know, and, and then they have a blowout. Um, but yeah, that was, well, that's one of my favorite scenes, I guess, because it shows their friendship mm-hmm. it's you know, a real, it's and, a real and, peach pit scene yeah yeah uh, like yeah it's, but it shows um the, their friendship and and the dynamics between them and their their individual you know that, that's kind of like like they they pair off you know and um it's just <laughs> something that i feel really shows the the even the chemistry of the cast in that it, it reminds me of like, like, like diner, mm-hmm. um, like those guys in diner, how, um, you know, the director just encouraged them to ad lib and to, to improv. And that showed a lot more chemistry in those characters than there otherwise would be. And I think it's the same exact thing with this scene. And by sitting in that diner, you get the sense, and the same thing with the movie diner, is that, yeah, we're watching these people, but if the camera turned over to the left, you would have just as interesting of friendship dynamics over to the left. If the camera turned over to the right and we saw this other table of people, you get a sense in that scene that, it's uh, all the Rydell kids have their own little cliques and they're all having their internal dramas in there. And by setting in that scene, it just has this kind of raucousness that really mm-hmm. makes that scene stand out. But that place, yeah. that's that place shuts down real quick. It's like milkshake is <laughs> yeah. thrown. And then she's like, I got to turn off the lights, which she does not hit that light switch anywhere close. She's like, I got to turn the lights off. That thing did not get done. I was watching that and I was like, Ooh, Ooh, see in a grease, um, second podcast, that whole light switch bit that would that would take up ten minutes of podcast. Oh yeah, I always she's doing like when when she like contorts her body to turn it off with it. I'm like, what's she doing? I'm like, oh yeah, she's turning off the lights. <laughs> so my yeah. that's a, that's a great scene. I I really do like that scene, and it stood out to me even more on my recent view. Now I would say I have two favorite scenes, but I'm going to pick one. My second mention we won't get into is the. Uh, as you mentioned at the top of the podcast, the would you be my lieutenant uh, scene uh, before yeah. they take out Grease Lightning um, and two guys struggling. Like, he's like, I'm afraid, man. Like, I I can't say I'm afraid, but like the movie we saw, great scene. But this, to me, when I was growing up, the scene that I'd never liked and some, I would just like fast forward through was the whole drive-in, uh-huh. the whole drive-in stuff. And uh-huh. the drive-in scene is... Fantastic. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to double it up and say it is my favorite set piece as well. Uh, from Danny's car, the way that shot right through the front of the windshield just screams 1950s to me. You see Danny um, go through so many changes there where he's like trying to, uh, you know, be apologetic. 
but you know, uh, and then he's trying to be cool and tries to take off the ring. He greases his hair. He pops her in the tit with his elbow. But then he laughs at. Her. He's like, "I'm sorry." Like he's just being, you know, he's being goofy. And then when she gets the ring and she turns to him, she goes, "Now I know you respect me." The look on Travolta's face. <laughs> I never caught that before where he's just like, oh, and I don't really quite know what that means because you would think that that's either. what I, he wants to hear. Yeah. I, I, in fact, I asked my wife about that. I'm like, what's that look for? Yeah. You know, like, does, did he not want that? Yeah. Like, and I think it's, I think it's, oh, I, I, again, I think it's the ideas of playing the role of masculinity. You know, like I got a piece here. Here's, here's this. But what, what that does is you, you know, like you committed yourself. And uh, when someone says, now I know you respect me and you commit me. And he's like, oh, shit. Is that what that means? And that's, <laughs> that's such a teenage thing to do to be like, oh, oh man, yeah. I wrote a, uh, a check my ass can't cash. And then a laugh out loud bit and beautifully shot is the, um, hey, don't tell anyone. And she's like, pregnant lady coming through. And she's like, I'm not going to tell anyone else. <laughs> and she tells one of the T-birds. And then the, the, the dolly pans, you see... Rizzo walking in the background and all the the uh, people pass it until it gets Rizzo comes out of the cars and Kaniki's there. And he's like, yo, I heard you got a bun in the oven. Yeah, and he's lighting that scene. huge torch of a thing. And she's like, hmm, I'm glad good news travels quickly. I was like, that is that's that's an old bit. Like we've seen that how news travels fast. We've seen that done in different ways. But that might be let's just stop doing that bit because you can't do that bit any better than this. <laughs> bit. It was beautiful. Yeah, that was a great. I, I love scene. The, the 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 scene and, and all all that stuff. So that that would be my favorite scene and set piece. What about set piece for you? Um, set piece like in terms of what? Like like uh like the set like okay oh I love it every time they're in this place or uh you know when they're um you know uh in the the shop class or when they're in you know the Thunder Road or when like where's your it's probably again, like you said, it'll have to be the diner again for me. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I think that that little that little area where they all hang out is, um, I don't know. It's just it seems like they, where they're. It seems like they're they're not as they're they're in, uninhibited mm. in there, you mm. know. Um, the bonfire, the bonfire is pretty cool too. I like the 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 bonfire aspect to it. It really kind of sets it in its time, like when they're at the bon, the pep rally. Um, yeah, 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 or the the dance too. Where oh yeah, 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 yeah. We'll talk about that dancing when we talk about the the music. That that's a whole separate movie in itself. Uh, I, I know. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to music here in a second. But I do want to ask you one more thing about as we kind of talk about characters and stuff like this. What did you think about the adults or the people playing adult characters in this movie? What were your thoughts? You have the the principal and like her secretary or the vice principal. I'm not sure what it is. You have the coach. You have the waitress. You have it's a lot of teachers really uh, in here. No yeah. parents. No 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 parents whatsoever. Um, and so what did you what did you think about their portrayal of adults in this movie? I liked all the adults. I liked that. Um, I mean, for the most part, they didn't make them like total dupes. You know, um, the coach is, it, they, is kind of a dupe, but he's also very caring towards Danny. Like he takes the yeah. time to figure things out for Danny. 
And he also coaches every sport simultaneously yeah. at the school. <laughs> the only one that they kind of screw around with was like the principal. Um, but it's like they all have their moments. You know, they all have their their hilarious lines. Even like like one of the funniest lines in that in the movie was during the song Blue Moon when those three guys moon the camera and the the, the waitresses are watching it at the diner. And one of the waitresses goes, ooh, who's that on the right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's so sweet, part. too, that the waitress is like, oh, there's Danny, and there's Sandy, and there's, yeah, there's just she knew all, all the adults in their life. They're not their parents, but they are, they're their, like, kind of role models and, like, the ancillary adults who, by their position, you know, have to deal with thousands of kids, you know, coming into the diner or the school but are taking moments to interact with them and care about them. As a teacher, that really struck me as I really loved all the teach the coach. I loved the, the principal, the vice principal. I mean, they're crying the last day of school. Uh, and because I've been that place where, you know, you make these connections with kids and then they go and they start their adult life. Everything's exciting for them. And then you're starting with a new crop of kids and you're kind of stuck in this limbo and you, you, you've had your days like that and you just have to watch them over and over again but you can't be bitter about it or else you can't stay in the job. You have to kind of be like ushers and, 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 and uh, have to make the mistakes. The auto mechanic lady is great. Um, yeah. She's uh, uh Joan Blondell. Maybe is that, is that Joan Blondell or uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, v she play V I'm looking at uh, uh, Sid Caesar. Of course, of course plays coach Calhoun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I always think of him as in uh Vegas vacation. The money, the money is mine. I want the money. I want the money. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it's I, another thing that I thought was really interesting. Like you were saying about the adults, kind of, kind of um, taking care of them. You know, in these, like when in that diner scene when Kaniki and and Rizzo get in a huge fight, she throws the milkshake at him and spills milkshake everywhere, and and the waitress just kind of goes, "Oh, that's what you know." cleans up quietly cleans up after them and doesn't say you know you guys are 86 yeah. or you know yeah anything well, she she's puts the food down she's like uh uh grab them and stuff them or whatever it is or like yeah yeah <laughs> animals yeah i would be pissed so, off i'd be like you fucking assholes <laughs> yo <laughs> <laughs> but even friends she's like can i stay v can i mind if i stay and she's like sure sugar but yeah. she doesn't like offer advice either she's like sometimes i wish uh a uh oh do you like waitressing yeah, it's fine you know and sometimes i wish like a fairy godmother would come and take me away and she's like good luck kid i wish i have... she's like i have no advice for you she's basically saying she's like this is just life yeah even when she's like i had a little trouble in tinting class today in she's fact like, oh, i had a little trouble in all my classes like, like, yeah, i have to tell you this you look like an easter egg <laughs> yeah um, so let's 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 go ahead and transition to our our second piece that would allow us to come back to this first piece and talk about, of course, a major part of Greece, which is the songs. So I said, you know, since we're keeping the Greece theme, um, when I when I was around ninety, this album, the Lesson Jake album, came out in nineteen ninety six. Uh, they picked like basically eight tracks from the Greece movie, and they um, uh, they do a Lesson Jake. Uh, cover of them which is very less than jake way of 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 doing these songs um and uh i remember loving this album i remember i i discovered the album uh, with the movie so i'd watch them like i love grease the movie 
And I really liked Less Than Jake. I loved Losing Streak. And then someone told me about this underground CD that was really hard to get because of the copyright issues they had in their first printing. They weren't really supposed to do this. Um, mm -hmm. But I lived in Japan, so I was able to, to find that uh, album. Nice. And I just I listened to it over and over again. I just Because I, I was like, it's Grease. It's like my two favorite, like two of my favorite things put together. So this That's is your true. first, this is your first time hearing this album, correct? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, so I have my streaming services is YouTube music. And of course they didn't have this album on there yeah. because like you said, and even the link that the YouTube link that you sent me, um, three of the songs weren't they were blocked in my country oh and those three songs were blue moon um beauty school dropout. dropout yep and um what was the other one uh, i think it was sandy yeah sandy was the other one that i couldn't listen to oh i don't even have sandy on the track list oh you mean the hopelessly devoted no the the one that danny sings Oh, I I don't yeah. even see that. That's not on the. I've never heard that um, on the album. Like I don't even see. Oh, it on you know their, what? Their no, no, it's list. not. Sorry, I'm getting my notes mixed up. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was hopelessly devoted to you, Blue Moon and Beauty School Dropout that I couldn't listen to. But yeah, I, I did notice that that Danny's Sandy and Rizzo's uh, there are worse things I could do that were weren't on the album at all. Yeah. And and that's kind of something I wanted to talk about a little bit. Um, do you think that, cause they, they kind of just stuck to the fun songs. Yeah. Um, so do you think that was purposefully left out? Well, when we, when we talk about the songs in Greece, a lot of them came from the play, like Grease Lightning, of course. Uh, you have Grease, uh, which was written by Barry Gibbs and performed by Frankie Avalon, which is like a disco number at the top of this this film to start off a rock kind of like a rocket, which is kind of weird, but I fucking love Greece. Greece is the one it's got, <laughs> it's got feeling and the animation. We didn't, even, much we didn't even talk about the animation, which was great. A great way to start it as well. But, um, so hopelessly devoted to you was written just for the film. And that's the one that I think got a Grammy nomination or an Oscar nomination, um, for that. And then that Sandy song that you're talking about is uh, Travolta got upset that that uh, Sandy's character, Olivia Newton-John, had a solo and he didn't have a solo. So he, he bullied them into writing him a solo. And you can tell it's just not it's not a great it's the it's the weakest song on there. Although I, yeah. I do now appreciate it a lot more uh, than when I was a kid. I, I, I really enjoyed the kitschiness of the song and how he's like alone, the drive in and um Stranded at the drive-in. Um, <laughs> and then you have... Uh, and so those are the two that were written for the movie. But other than that, like Blue Moon isn't an original Grease song. Right. And so they really do all the other songs except for Rizzo's, which I would have loved to see them do, uh, that um, I, there's worse things I could do. Um, and, uh, Sandy. So, I mean, all, all the main Grease songs are there, but it's weird that you're going to do eight of them. Why not just do Rizzo's? Why not just do Sandy? Uh, well, I, like, I think like you said, Sandy, I think it just, just the subject matter song, 
didn't want to, you know, that's my guess. Yeah. But I don't know. I could be wrong. Well, I mean, but, they, you know, I, they, I also, so less than Jake adds like weird things, the subject matter of it. Like they add things that are even more on PC when he's like, um, uh, uh, uh Meditate my erection, feel your way. And they're like, that's pretty gay. Do, do, do. And I'm like, oh shit, that was just like some homophobia just like thrown right in there. But also very 1996. I mean, I was saying that's gay, that's gay, that's gay to everything. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, like you were saying, I, I, about John Travolta bullying the, the producers to give him his own number, I heard he did that with Grease Lightning. I heard that was a, actually a Kaniki number. In, it still is. In every ver- play version of Grease, it's Kaniki gets that song. I mean, you know, it, it makes sense. It's him talking about right. his car. Um, and so um, what's his, uh, Tim Conway at that time was actually playing um, Danny on Broadway. And so when they auditioned for it, uh, Travolta had played um, one of the younger T-Birds um, but when they got the movie, Travolta got the Danny part and Conway got the Kaniki part. And so like, oh, OK, I get it. You got that star power a little more because you came off this movie. But then to make it even worse, it's like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm also going to take your best song in the whole the whole piece. It looked like Jeff Conway was a trooper about it. Yeah. In the documentary. You know, yeah. He, he yeah. was like, yeah, we were we were close. We were good buds. Um, but well, even the director said that that uh, Jeff Conway and, and John Travolta got along like really well. Yeah. Which is cool, I guess. But, yeah, yeah. I would be uh, like, are you kidding me? Like grease lighting is what people think of when they think of, uh, of, of grease. So uh, let's start off with what's your favorite, what's your favorite grease song in this viewing? Uh, not, not the lesson Jake song, but I want to hear your favorite song. And then I want to hear how it holds up against the lesson Jake version. Um. Okay. So probably my favorite, favorite song um is probably summer nights and i thought that listen okay so summer nights and and hopelessly devoted to you are probably my favorites i thought summer nights was the way less jake did it it was all right um but i thought they did hopelessly devoted to you pretty good yeah um and and the weird thing is that like if you notice when band when like punk bands do this sort of thing it's always the ballad that turn out better because yeah. I don't know if it's because you're not hearing them that way or because you're so long that when you speak, it stands out. But like, I know like me first, the gimme gimme's who are just, who do nothing but that, but mm-hmm. like punk up, you know, songs that aren't punk music. Um, I really liked what, what they did was hopelessly devoted to you. I thought it was cool. Yeah, my yeah, my pick goes on that lines is Beauty School Dropout is my favorite on this on this album. Uh, I couldn't hear that unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's like that. Uh, it starts off that same way slow. Your story's sad to tell. A teenage near do well. But then it gets in that Beauty School Dropout, and then they have that still. They still have the high harmonization. They're like Beauty School Dropout. No graduation <laughs> day for you. Beauty School Dropout. And uh, and then, of course it has that. Uh, then when they get into it, they're like, it wouldn't trigger you anything unless she was a hooker. Baby, get no dash. You know, they had those, those, <laughs> those, those punk pause drops. Unless she was a hooker, dead silent. Bah! Bah, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, 
Uh, so that's very that's no effects. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can listen to this album. It's it's a real short thing, and it, it's like 15 minutes long, and it basically kind of sounds like one less than Jake sound sound. It's just that less than Jake sound on there. But I think it does capture kind of the fun of those songs and why they're so fun yeah. and poppy, just because they're so. So jaunty and so lively that when you keep when you throw in a trombone and the sax from Less Than Jake, they're still able to able to keep that 1950s spirit as opposed to if you gave it to a punk band that only had guitar and bass and were trying to make it work with that. I think that they're able to fill out that that sound pretty well for early in their career. Mm-hmm. So they probably they're they're probably young in this. So it's not like they were probably even the most talented at their musicianship at this point. Um, yeah. And just I to, agree. to do that, to commit to doing like, let's just do grease. Let's just do eight songs. So they're produced, <laughs> they're produced pretty well. It's yeah. not like in a garage record, you know, it's, no, it's no. produced pretty well. So they put some time into learning that. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, I'm sure it's pretty easy to get like sheet music and just speed it up for stuff. But um, the timing on there is really good. It's really drums heavy. The drums are really standout on this album, which you don't get in the original songs, you know, right, because they're more right. Broadway. So bringing up those drums is kind of an interesting take on it. But so, yeah, if you if you like Grease, uh, the movie, and you haven't listened to Grease, the sound by Lesson Jake, check it out. You might like it if you can find it online. Um <laughs> You can but, probably find it on Discogs. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, th- that. Was kind of our way of putting that out there because we want to stick with our having three things. But let's talk about that music in general now. What do you think is the most fun song to v- like? Everything is working in like the that complements what's going on in the scene. Like what when you're you're watching it this time? Well, I, I think probably Grease Lightning. Um, I think the choreography on that was crazy. I mean, it was so like acrobatic. Um, more humping, more humping, more cellophane around the crotch. Take the grease, (laughs) take the grease, pretend it's your penis. Now squeeze it on him, squeeze it on him, Kanicki, all over his face. (laughs) Buff buff those bumpers, boys. Let's go. Like I'm, all, I'm all, oh my god, I'm sweating over here. Come on, I'm too much humping. <laughs> but uh, I think, yeah, I mean, when it comes to just like everything is just in sync, like just synced, and it's so like the choreography and the the, the scene, that the car, I mean, like it's just like sensory overload. It's like it's like the it's so heightened. You know, um, so that that really stands out to me. Yeah. How about you? Um, that was my favorite growing up. And if I'm honest with myself now, because I also just listened to the Grease soundtrack over and over again this week, just original. <laughs> one, and I was trying to think, like, what is my favorite number on here? And I really think I kept coming back to Grease Lightning. It's so a part of me that it's hard to look at it with fresh ears. But it is. It's a good song, dude. It's a great yeah. song. It's got it's got it captures like the youth and the fun of it. It's got a real Elvis Presley thing going on there. It's got that <laughs> that clapping break in there. Uh, uh, I really like that in how Lesson Jake did that too with the clapping. Get higher, baby. Get higher, baby. <laughs> you know, they, they do that. But um, 
Yeah, I, I, so if I had to be honest, that probably does stand the test of time. But I think for this viewing, what I really liked was You're the One That I Want. Um, oh. uh, I think the song's great. I love that song. But that number is is so timeless, the end of that movie. And Travolta is doing some really th interesting things that are really kind of brave for his character. Um where he's being goofy and vulnerable in a way that I don't think that some actors would go to with that character. Cause they're like, no, I'm the James Dean character, but he's uh. like, I got chills. They're multiplying. And he's goofing around. He's Pratt falling. He's drooling over and he's crawling over. And even in the harmonizing, honey, you know, he, he brings it up to the falsetto female register. So he really becomes the female in that song, too, when he's like, hoo, 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 and he's being feminized throughout that whole song. You know, he's drooling. He's falling over her. You know, she's got the 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 man outfit on there. She's in control. She's smoking the cigarette. Uh, and I like how Travolta isn't trying to take she's he's giving her he's giving her more masculinity in this than he's taking for his character it's a very yeah. I, I thought it was a very um selfless you know for a character a guy who seems to be very selfish on this movie is a very selfless way to do that scene his eyes are rolling his he's making very female gestures you know there's a lot of like i just thought it's great and even the register he's singing i was just like this is cool and this is also why I'm like, screw you out there if you're like, yeah, Greece is nothing but a male fantasy where they're going to flip the girl and the girl becomes what the guy wants. I go, no, man. Zuko became as much of a woman as, as uh, and changed and became much as that as, as Sandy did for him. I, dude, I totally I will agree. I fight I mean, people in the streets, Jay. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I'll break that bottle. <laughs> yeah. But, you know... Even the part where before that, when he comes in with the with the Letterman's jacket, and they go, "What is this? You know, did you turn jock?" And he's yeah. like, "Hey, man, you know, when you guys were out sitting hubcaps, I was lettering and track." And he goes, and they were like, "Why? Why would you do that?" And he goes, "Hey, man, I really like Sandy. I'll do whatever it takes to you know to, to get her back." Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it's like it's not like he didn't do anything either. I yeah. mean, it's like I mean, opposite. It's he he try he did his best to change for her benefit. So it's yeah. not all one way here. You yeah, know? no, absolutely. And they, they meet in there and like, you'd be like, well, why didn't they just keep Danny's sweater on? So that way it's like that. I'm like, no, cause that's not, that doesn't look cool. <laughs> you got to have the quarter sleeve black shirt tied on there. God, man, I, I want those quarter sleeve shirts, brother. I want those. <laughs> those are cool, man. Um, but yeah, and I, the the set piece on that is great. The the colors of that pop out against their black oh, outfits yeah. and 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 framing it. I mean, that's a that's a really great one um, on there. I would say that also another one of my favorites from the film is Beauty School Dropout. I love that. It seems out of place in the movie, but it's fun. I love the the color starkness on there. I love. Uh, the costumes, yeah, the, the headdresses, I, yeah, and, stuff. and the song cool. is great because it's kind of this old, reminiscent of like a 1950s song, but it's also got some risqueness in it too. You know, um, that was my least spending favorite. Spending all the time to have the doctor fix your nose up, yeah, it was yeah. my mom's favorite too. So there's a bit of nostalgia in there. Where I'm like, this I, when I was a kid, I'm oh, like, cool. you like the worst song, mom, and now I'm like, yeah. that's the best, I love best songs, mom. <laughs> 
that was my least favorite when I was a kid too. Yeah. But as a as I grew an adult, I, I you know, well, as much of an adult as I am now, um, I I like that song yeah. even more now. Beauty school dropout. So let, let me ask you this: what what is your least favorite? Um, honestly, this time around, um, uh, also Sandra D used to be one of my favorites too. And unconventional as a kid, I love Sandra D. Uh, and this time the reprise of that song, oh, was heartbreaking. The reprise when she's at Thunder Road and they finish the race and she's like, look at me. Oh yeah. I'm Sandra D. And she's like, she's talking about like being pure and how that's not the way it's it, that's a, that's a woman being like i need to let go of the purity of childhood and it sucks that to me it's heartbreaking i'm always a big bill dung's roman like to me that's when i cry is the coming of age and that's her coming of age moment is when she's like i'm excited about the future look at them they're having so much fun exploring themselves and taking risks and i'm not doing that but i also know mm. that once I make this leap, there's no going back to being Sandra D. Like that's gone. And so there's something beautiful about that moment. Wow. Uh, and so sad. Like that's it. That's then, you know, the girl's gone. And then the next thing you can see how much fun she's having exploring her new so that it ends in a happy ending. But I was like, look at me, I'm Sandra. I'm like, Sandra, no. You're never going to be my little girl anymore. Um, Don't go. But so my least favorite, though, in this viewing, hopelessly devoted to you. You're my kidding. Least favorite. Uh, <laughs> my least favorite. I mean, I still like it. It's still a great oh, song, yeah, yeah. but it's my least favorite. Uh, I didn't realize that they teed it up when I was a kid. When she's looking through the pictures of her uh, combat uh, pen pals, you're like a one woman USO. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, yep. She goes, how do you keep up with them? Well, I'm a great pen pal, just hopelessly devoted, you know? And I was like, oh shit. I didn't notice they teed that song up like that. But yeah, I thought it's kind of like, I was like, this one, this time I found it kind of like hopelessly. I'm like, all right, maybe, at a yeah. wedding, maybe at a wedding, <laughs> this will be a, a better, but <laughs> all right so your favorite was grease lighting any other honorable mentions we we you like this the title track grease the the new one the the disco one it's all right yeah it's all right it's got um, groove it's got feeling yeah i'm not like a huge disco guy so it's tough but because it is what it is, I, I like it. Yeah. I, you know, it reminds me of the movie. And like you were saying, along with that, that awesome, like seventies, uh, uh, animation, yeah. you know, it's, it goes really well with it. Yeah. What I'll say, what's your least favorite? I, I'm going to guess your least favorite is probably uh, Sandy at the drive. No, uh, no, not. Oh, Sandy! oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was, it's a little dull. Yeah. I like the beginning of it, and I like I, I don't like the song as much without the visual. Oh no! And, and for no, hopelessly devoted, imagine. I like the song more than I like what's happening in the scene. Um, yeah, but I do like the turning around and and Danny being like stranded, the driving branded, <laughs> what will they say Monday? It's such a very like real true thing. It's like oh shit, they're gonna hear about this at school. That sucks. Yeah. 
All right, so let's move on to our third piece, which is, it's not a long documentary, so it's it's not, it's kind of more just like a marketing piece, really, than anything. It's like a 15-minute yeah. making of Grease. I'm really surprised I had a hard time finding any kind of, like, deep dive doc, because I could have watched a three-hour documentary on this movie. I was hoping to find something that was, like, quality three hours, let's go into the bowels of this movie. And yeah. I think, because I think you would have watched that too. You wouldn't have felt like overwhelmed. I mean, you would have been like, all right, I'll watch three hours about this movie. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. There's not a lot out there. It, yeah. It, like you said, it almost, it was like a, it, it was kind of like a commercial, a like an like yeah. infomercial for the, what was it, the 20th anniversary yeah. of the movie. And so there wasn't a lot of, you know, I, I don't want to say, dirt but there wasn't a lot of like real introspection in there at all right like you one of the most interesting things about greece is the casting about how they gave the role of danny to the guy who's playing it on broadway to someone else and they gave away all those songs like that's interesting but that's not in here it's a lot of people talking right. about like we had such a great time um, everyone was friends we yeah all, yeah there's a couple of great things one uh there's a couple of great stories like the hickey from Kaniki line. Like that was, he really, oh, dude, that's crazy. and I was sitting there thinking, <laughs> I'm like with the me too movement, like that's never ever going to happen again. Yeah, like, he, like, he insisted yeah. on giving her the hickeys. I'm yeah. like, dude, and she didn't seem traumatized by it or anything. No, yeah. no, that, no, that I guess on. Tim Conway was like sleeping with everyone on that set. Um, I saw a couple of interviews and they were like, yeah, Tim Conway got around. Um, I'm like, I, I can Jeff, see that. Jeff Conway. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Conway. Tim Conway, he's like, I'm Tim Conway, that would have been impressive. <laughs> I might have been calling him Tim Conway this whole podcast, guys. Ooh. No, I no, okay. you have. Okay. Um, but yeah, that that was that was crazy. That was some interesting news. And and see, there's some, there's some sites out there that talk a little bit more about rumors and stuff, but Again, I don't know if I really want to go into that because a, I don't know if they're true or not. Mm -hmm. and, and and judging by what a lot of people think of this movie, like some of the quest, like on like Reddit threads and stuff, freaking, there's a lot of people out there that don't know shit about this movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, so real quick, I want to ask you this without going off topic too much. Somebody said that. So your, one of your favorite parts that you mentioned uh, in at Thunder Road, when Kaniki asked Zuko to be his his second at Thunder Road, his lieutenant, his second at Thunder Road. Someone said that he what he was actually asking was to take care of his unborn child if something were to happen to him at Thunder Road. What do you he, think oh, about that? Because there is that moment where he never says he goes. Because he says, "What you want me to be? You want me to to drive with you?" Which is, and he's like, "No." And then Danny goes, "Oh yeah, of course, man." Huh? I don't know uh, about that, dude. I, I, that's re that's. Uh, I thought I read a lot. It's of I, you know what? I don't think it's reading that much. <laughs> no, no. I you know what? Because I, I like the what. My other previous reading of it, where at that point he felt like he was denied that that part, so he was he is he had you know at that point Rizzo's like I don't want anything to do with you, get away from me. Um, it would be one thing if they were like, all right, I'm going to be here, and like, how are we going to do this? He's like, I don't know, babe. Don't race. 
I got a race. Then I could see that scene meaning that, you know, where Rizzo's like, I just, we're having a kid. You can't race it. And he's like, I'm a man. I got to do it. And she's like, you're throwing your life away. And then he goes to Danny and is like, will you be my second? And he's like, yeah, that's, uh, that's what it would mean. But in this, that might be pulling at strings that's not there. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, too. Let me pose this question to you. The big one uh, that people have been arguing about is, I'm sure you know, uh, and I didn't heard it until this recent viewing and looking researching it this week, is that there is a theory out there, a fan theory, that this whole movie takes place in, like, uh, it's either Sandy's death dream or she's in a coma. And it comes from okay. the part at the beginning where, you know, where he says... Uh, I saved her life. She nearly drowned. Right? Uh, that part Holy in the line. Crap. And then the end when they're going off into the sky. I was going to ask you about that. What do you think that means? I th- before I heard the other theory, I thought it was, I thought a, a, a reading too much into it way was maybe Danny died at Thunder Road and the rest of it is just, uh, you know, whatever it is. It doesn't make sense, but uh, I, the That's, the car flying off that. at the end i don't it to me that seems like we're bringing some broadway sparkle to you think fantasy sparkle and that's why the car lifts off at the end to show you know this is you know like riding off into the sunset kind of thing uh i don't but the original original broadway production it wasn't a broadway production it was it was this was the play was actually done in chicago it was created in Chicago before it was even picked up by Broadway. And the Chicago huh. version was even dirtier and grittier. The song There was more sexual innuendo. The songs had to be changed. Like There was a lot of innuendos in the songs now. They had to even be changed, and some were removed, and some were added before it moved to Broadway. But in its original Chicago one, it was really dark. Like The guys had switchblades and zip guns, and it was much more like, like the stakes were higher as far as like death and... Uh, like this whole scorpions yeah, part was yeah, probably played up more. Yeah, wow, and there was like, there were like re- cool. real stakes for the kids' lives and stuff. So maybe the maybe you know this whole idea of at one point there was Danny was originally going to commit suicide. Was I don't know if in the original play, but they were talking about this in an interview that I watched with the producer, um, Carr. Jim Carr. Um, and he was talking about, yeah, originally Danny uh, at the end of the movie commits suicide. Uh, what? And I was That's like, insane. how does that work? How does Danny commit suicide? Because they were talking about how some people were like that. We go together like Shamalama. It, it's kind of a little bit too happy-go-lucky, even for a fun play. Like it kind of shows its cards. It's like, hey, we were kind of this horny like teen sex comedy play. And now at the end, we're kind of like a, you know, beach bingo bonsai movie. Yeah. Um, and he was like, yeah, we've gotten that criticism. But honestly, I think at one point we had Danny committing suicide. So it's, it's quite the leap from that. So that's not in any of the like productions, like any of the theatrical productions. Right? I, I don't. He said that he said originally Danny was going, was supposed to commit suicide. That was his 
quote from it. Um, and wow, uh, I don't that know if that was from everything. the original, original uh, Chicago play or like their original adaption of the Broadway show in screenplay form. Um, but because uh, for me, when I think about the 1950s, I think about all those songs like Leader of the Pack, you know, where, uh-huh. or, or Dead Man's Curve. And so when they're flying off at the end, I'm like, maybe it was a real Dead Man's Curve situation at Thunder Road. And like Danny didn't make it out of there, um, but that would be. But that would make it a little less dark. Yeah, yeah, Lit slightly, but yeah, it um, would suck, dude. Wow. It would suck. But I, I, I remember watching that movie, and I with that those kind of songs in my head, even at that age, and I'm like, Danny might die. Mm-hmm. Like when the the things are going in there, it had a real Romeo and Juliet vibe. This whole movie does. And then you had that, you had that leader of the pack stuff kind of happening there. Plus, you know, like James Dean is mixed all throughout this movie. And I'm like, this, he might, Danny might, Danny might die. Dude. I, I thought that every time they showed those scorpion dudes, like, dude, those guys are tough looking. They better watch yeah. it. <laughs> He's got pockmarks. Yeah. He's got, he's got fire out of his He's got a Batmobile. <laughs> yeah. So uh, on, on the final thing on this documentary is what I did like about it, and this kind of ties back to what we were saying. Let's go ahead and, and sew this thread in here. One of the things we talked about earlier is this is a movie um, about kids right on the cusp of adulthood, but their bodies are still are still telling them they're kids but urging them to be adults. So they're fighting their their age, uh, they're fighting their gender norms, and they're fighting their hormones, and, they're, and meanwhile trying to maintain friendships and navigate the world. And from the documentary side of it, it sounds like when they talk about the making of Greece, it was like second puberty. It was like they were all going together, they were navigating these really kind of tough and intricate shoots, and everyone was young, and there was a lot of energy and passion, and so it kind of mirrors that. You can't just hire a bunch of really good actors. There has to be that chemistry there. Yeah, I agree. I and mean, in fact, I don't remember who was it that said this, but they even said they, they would call each other by their character names. French, yeah, even yeah. when they were off, when they were where they weren't shooting or when they were off set, they'd still refer to themselves as that. I'm like, that's really interesting. And they would sing like songs from the 1950s. Yeah, yeah. Of it. Yeah. And that I, I another interview, they said that the initial cast reading, they didn't do a cast reading. They thought they were going to a cast reading, but the the producer and director threw him a sock hop. And so it was the first oh, time right. they, were, they were kind of all meeting each other and it was at a sock hop. And I thought that was kind of cool. And that kind Which of is set the cool. Tone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I thought it was interesting how Olivia Newton John was like, um, I asked for a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a screen test, even though it was mine. They offered her the role, but she's like, uh, you know, she said, I did a, a really embarrassing movie before this and didn't she didn't, didn't need this movie she was already famous. oh no yeah, yeah. that's actually yeah. really smart of her it was very smart and it was also like kind of like showed her humility in a way because she's like i kind of wanted to see if i cut you know if i was good enough and if other people thought i was good enough you know she was like yes i will take this role and you know it, it was just it kind of showed a little bit of grace i guess in her on her part 
Well, that was our uh, revisit of Greece from a pop culture lens there. Uh, I know that we normally have more disparate things that we're tying together, but sometimes you just got to throw some grease on the plate and just lick it up. So uh, I'm guessing if you're listening to this, you have are probably a Greece fan. Uh, maybe this podcast encourages you to go revisit again and look at some parts with a little bit more closely or have some more fun with it. Um, if you want to know what we're doing for the next podcast, you can go to popbonsai.com. We'll have that up there very soon. And you can go visit us on Instagram and on Facebook and on Spotify and on iTunes Podcasts. And basically, if, if you want to listen to Pop Bonsai, you can type it in the internet and it'll, it'll get it to you while you want. Obviously, you've already gotten there. So thank you for listening. And Jay and I will see you on the next Pop Wave. Hansa! <laughs>